0: Arizona Sports, the home of Phoenix Suns Basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Bickley and Murata talk Suns Nuggets now.
1: They're not done but their margin for error is non-existent. I mean the the thing about this game is Kevin Durant missed 17 shots and he missed 10 threes and quite frankly the way they're constructed they cannot afford Kevin Durant or Devin Booker to have an off game and now it's not even that Chris Paul had been playing particularly well. It's that when he was out there on the floor he was a playmaking option. A guy who could create and get and make his own own shot. They just don't have enough of those players. So they are going back home. They have been very good on balance offensively since Durant came there, but obviously this is a huge challenge against a Nuggets team that looks like they're playing their best basketball over the last few months.
2: That's Brian Windhorst, ESPN, on the uh, Suns' state of affairs mm-hmm. right now, heading into Game 3 on Friday night, down 0-2, probably without Chris Paul. I agree with that assessment. They're not done but the margin of error is very small. And if you want to focus on Kevin Durant, we mm-hmm. can. And I think that's where the focus should begin moving forward. Um, and that is, Kevin Durant was was not good in Game 2. Uh, he looked like he was pressing. He looked like he was uh, doing a lot of hoping that the ball would go in. We know what his resume says. He's one of the most devastating, efficient offensive players the sport has ever seen. Mm-hmm. That was not the case. Uh, when you take Chris Paul out of the mix... And you know we're talking about the onus falling on on Devin Booker from a ball handling standpoint, and we'll certainly see that. And your assessment is absolutely correct. Devin Booker will take whatever you put on his plate gladly, and go with it, and try to deliver yep. in you know in in that quest of being legendary. And I don't mean that tongue mm-hmm. in cheek; I mean that quite literally. No, no, yeah, but, so do I. Um, Kevin Durant's not been here very long. This is the playoffs and it was not the s- smoothest road to get to the playoffs for Kevin Durant and the nope. Suns even though they did not taste defeat while he was on the floor but now it's time like and even if it's even if it's Kevin Durant hero ball he needs to have one of those games to instill some mm-hmm. faith not only in in the team yeah but also to plant the seed of doubt in Denver uh, and, right. and maybe reenergize this fan. The uh, the
3: the one t- the one the best quarter I've seen Kevin Durant play was uh, quarter 1 of game 1 in which the Nuggets ended up blowing the Suns away 15 points in the yeah, first quarter. and 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 it almost as I noted in real time it almost kind of seduced Devin Booker in tr- into trying to match what Kevin Durant was doing and it bogged the whole offense down. I, I I'm not certain as a strategy that that isn't just the best way to go at this point forward in the short term. Because with, with the lack of depth you have and with the lack of quality depth that you have, um, maybe just giving the ball to them and just alternating. And seeing what, you, seeing what you can do with it, see how many fouls you can draw, maybe it's the best way to go. I
2: totally agree with you. Anything, everybody's saying, the bench needs to step up. The bench needs to step up. We've been saying this throughout the whole playoffs and much of the regular season. It ain't happening. It's not
3: stepping up. There's no bench there. Con, so, consider what you yeah. get
2: from them, gravy. Yeah. It might be a lot of gravy. It might be a little right. bit of gravy. It might be a couple of drops. So, Monty Williams thinks the answer
3: is .5, which is this his code word for his beloved offense of, of get the ball. Moving and pass ball, and that's all well and good when you've got a team of shooters. This is not what he's got. Yeah, I, I don't necessarily believe that you run a system of democracy on a basketball court if you've got two superstars and three guys that throw up bricks. And I'm not, that's the wrong way of saying it. I'm not trying to say DeAndre Ayton throws at bricks anything to the contrary. So I'm just saying that I'm not sure that isn't the best scenario. I also agree with you about Kevin Durant because there's a lot of pressure starting to rise. Uh, within the fan base, locally, nationally, there's a lot of criticism that's sort of re- regenerating here about the Mikhail Bridges trade and the Cam Johnson trade and all those first round draft picks in the future that no longer belong to the Phoenix Suns. Um, I I'm sure the ownership is probably wondering, okay come on Katie we got you for a reason and and so there's a there's a lot of stuff in this mix Vinny, and and it it doesn't take a whole lot to get this fan base kind of riled up over Mikhail Bridges all over again so in the case of Kevin Durant uh, I think Kevin Durant and, and every NBA superstar you're entitled to a bad playoff game the the stakes are so high the defense is so good you can have a bad night it just happened to a bunch of guys in Denver Kevin Durant was just one of many who were throwing up bricks in game two and maybe bad shooting is as contagious as good shooting can be so so it wasn't just KD who struggled to make shots in game two for whatever reason but he can't have another bad game that's the bottom line so I agree with you that Kevin Durant in the context of who he is and why we got him he needs to ball out from this point forward he had his bad game Every super superstar in the playoffs playoffs do. You don't have to. So and and I I really believe that that Katie is going to be spectacular on Friday. That's just a gut in, intuition.
2: Yeah. Um. Kellen Olson was on with with Wolf and Luke yesterday, and I was in the car driving around and, and listening to it, and I think. Kellen's synopsis on the on the Kevin Durant experience was right on the money, and he kind of is in agreement. Like you, you need to be better if you have a chance in the series. I want to play this yeah. snippet of that interview for you.
4: More what he was doing for sure. I, I think that two things can be true. I think Aaron Gordon played good defense on him, and I think that good defense doesn't matter against Kevin Durant. I don't think it does. Um, but the way that I talked about it last night and kind of wrote about it is that. We haven't really seen Kevin Durant yet, like the Kevin Durant that I've been hyping up for months, the Kevin Durant that we've been used to seeing for the last 10, 12 years, especially as a playoff performer. I thought last night, like, the bare minimum for him should have been 40 with the way that he had it going in terms of getting to his shots, the way the ball was finding him. Like, it should have been 50. He should have taken 35 shots, honestly, and it just didn't get there. The shots were not going in 2 of 12 from 3 for one of the greatest three-point shooters of all time on pretty good looks. The Suns themselves shot 1 of 12 from the corners. Like that only happens five times a season for a team typically. So it was just one of those bad shooting nights where they could have been up twenty midway through the third quarter. And even if the Chris Paul injury still happens, they probably find a way to hold on to that game.
2: Yeah, I I, I think he's right on the money. We have we haven't seen Kevin Durant. And he, when, when this when yeah. this season is, if this if this is indeed the end for the Suns, this series. Mm-hmm. This might be just nothing more than about, when, when you consider eight regular season games and what how many playoff games, let's say a 15-game teasing sample of what mm-hmm. is to come with Kevin Durant, because chemistry does matter. And their chemistry was not, not only affected by the Kevin Durant injury, but Kellen pointed that out, too. At the same time, we're talking about the bench not being comfortable or being productive, but they didn't have any time to, to establish roles then, either, because campaign was hurt. Landry Shamet was hurt at that time too mm-hmm. and you might scoff at those two guys being key members but you, you need help in the playoffs and they haven't but had they didn't have that time sounds like I'm making excuses but I really want the point to be let's see Kevin Durant Let's yeah. see him step up and, and, yeah. and take some yeah. of the, the ownership of this.
3: And, and when I talk about the pressure involved, it's not just the pressure um, on KD to, to come through because of who he is, and there is that. But there's, uh, and I mentioned about Matt Ishby, the guy who made the trade, is, as, it, as the criticism mounts in hindsight about that trade, and you can see it all happening yesterday, then it gets on to Monty. Because they want why? Why didn't you not allow? Why did you not bring this best version of Mikael out of himself in Phoenix? What was what was the deal with that? So the, so the KD performances It's all tied to this very third rail type subject in Phoenix and beyond. So but but to me, I think Katie has really been um, he's really been agreeable. And I think he's really tried hard to really fit in. And I think his I, I just saw a market change in him after game two in Denver. I saw a guy who was pissed. Yeah. Maybe that switch
2: got flipped. I think so. And maybe it's time. For I think the, so. For the new guy yep. to become the guy. A good way of putting it. Yep. Uh, you can text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line. It's open at 620, 620 right now. Coming up next, Jonathan Gannon, head coach of the Cardinals, spoke on a number of subjects yesterday and for the first time did answer some questions about that whole tampering thing with philadelphia we'll tell you what he had to say next it's bickley and Murata mornings here on arizona sports the local sports leader arizona sports the local sports leader
0: Shazam! arizona sports the local sports leader the hottest ticket in town fire, fire and in town
2: is back and we are looking for a uh, Fire. qualifier, potential qualifier Fire. Travis Freeze F-R-I-E-S-E Travis Freeze from Scottsdale, you've got 10 minutes to give us a call Fire. at 602 260 Sorry. I can't hold myself <laughs> <best>. I can't <laughs> to, hold to it. qualify for Suns playoff tickets against the Nuggets this Friday or Sunday if Travis doesn't do that within 10 minutes Fire. we will open up the phone lines to someone else and if you didn't hear your name you could still qualify by texting ticket to 620 620 and listen for your name in the noon hour. But once again, Travis Freeze, Freeze, yeah, uh, Price. Fries, it could, what it could be any, any of those things? That's why I spelled it, Chair yeah. right. Scottsdale. If you know Travis, tell him to give us a call. Starting the clock right now, you got 10 minutes to call us at 602 260
5: 9870. Fire. <laughs> It's a mistake that we made and um, the league kind of rectified it and we've moved on. But basically, after the NFC Championship game, Monty reached out and, um, you know, kind of said, hey, you know, congratulations. He's been to some Super Bowls and and uh, gave me a little advice about how to handle that and said, look, like I'm in we're in the middle of a coaching search and don't know how the timing of this is all going to shake out, but basically would you be interested in interviewing if the timing gets pushed back till after Super Bowl? And I said, yeah, I would be. And um, then I didn't hear about it until after the, the game that we played when Holly came up and talked to me about, hey, you know, Arizona wants to interview you. So, um, you, know, I, I, uh, um, you know, it was a mistake that we made. And um, I apologize for that. And, um, you know, looking forward to moving on now and, and getting going. So. That's kind of the
2: story on that one. Jonathan Gannon yesterday, press conference, also was on with Wolf and Luke yesterday, uh, explaining the tampering incident. That's how the draft started on Thursday, with the news that the Cardinals and the Eagles were swapping picks, so that it cost the Cardinals about 28 spots in, in draft position. Uh, as a result, mm-hmm. the NFL said, you guys work this out. Mm-hmm. Monty Asenfort messed up. He called the Eagles and Jonathan Gannon, or actually called Jonathan Gannon when he shouldn't have, and that was the penalty. I, you know, Is this a Jonathan Gannon mistake? Steak. He was part of it. He answered a phone. And he kind of gave the explanation of all the time you know the 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 timing instances that we were uh, curious about you know that whole story that was publicized about not knowing he was staying in Arizona after the Super Bowl. He kind of addressed it there. What do you make of all of this, Ben?
3: Um, Okay, a couple things. First of all, I I appreciate that that Jonathan Gannon did do that, say the words, I'm sorry, I apologize. I think that's going to allow at least most people to shut the book and move on. But Jonathan Gannon, there's still a lot missing from this story Mm -hmm. that, that we just do not know about. Because to me, if Jonathan Gannon's explanation there is to be believed, if that is all the phone call entailed, then what are the Eagles, what's their issue? What is their issue? So I, and what what are they so angry about? There's there's more to this than we know about and and, and I'm not I'm not I'm not sure what the missing pieces are, and, and I'm not sure it even matters at this point
2: in time. It, it doesn't really, but there's a lot of curiosity. Mm-hmm. Like, this was self-reported by the Cardinals. Why was it necessary to self-report? Was this an attack of morality, or did somebody in Philadelphia know that this had taken right. place? Right, and,
3: so and if it was just an innocent little phone call like that, like, hey, man, listen, I know you're busy. I wanted to give you a little vice... Uh, but 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 I would also like to talk to you after the Super Bowl. Are you interested? Okay, great. See you later. Honestly, what honestly, you
2: self-reporting at it, that point. It, look, was it in in a closed window where Monty Austin Ford couldn't make the call? Yes, but it's a rule to have a rule mm-hmm. because during the postseason, Jonathan Gannon interviewed for another job with Houston, so it, it's. You know, it's
3: semantics, really. I know. So, the, so right, exactly. So, how did the Eagles find out? What and and what are they so mad about? If they truly are indeed mad, it's going to make for a fascinating game in Philadelphia this year. Is is what I have to say about that? Because if this if this uh, grievance is real and not just artificially enhanced to 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 scam a draft pick from the Cardinals. Which would be very, very opportunistic and Uh very predatory, in my opinion. Yeah. But because, listen, for just the fact that the NFL said, you two guys, that's what you do when you've got two kids who are fighting over something stupid. You guys you say, go work you it out. You figure it out. Don't, Don't bother, bother me with me. This stupid stuff. It, that's what and uh, yes, that's what the NFL is saying. <laughs> you figure it out. Don't bother me with this nonsense. Yes. And if the NFL stance is that, particularly in light of burner phone allegations against Michael Bidwill, then it tells you this is nothing but smoke.
2: Yeah. Howie Roseman is the GM of the Philadelphia Eagles. He appeared yesterday on the morning show on WIP radio in Philadelphia. And this subject came up. Are you mad at Jonathan Gannon? You know, I'm mad that we're talking
3: about the freaking Super Bowl. Um, I'm I'm mad that I got to freaking go back to that moment um, that we had a chance here to win our second world championship. And it drives me. All this other stuff, you know, it doesn't help us win games. So we got to move on from it and figure out the best way to win games. You know, that was handled at the ownership level and at the league level. um, And for me, I I can only control what we can, which is adding as many good players and as many good people as we possibly can on this team.
5: I feel like the old morning
3: show would have been like a lot of follow up on some of these things. Well, you just go boom, boom, uh, boom. Here's, like it. Here's Hold
0: the, the follow-up. You're mad at Gannon and you don't want to say it publicly. no. <laughs> I did
2: not say that. I did not say that. <laughs> that is, that's what I took. <laughs> I, I, I you know, again, okay, let, me, I, I let me, say this. Artificially okay. aggrieved All is right. the, is the phrase I used yesterday. The
3: Philadelphia Inquirer piece said that laid forth a lot of detail about this scenario and, and everything that went down. They claimed that the Eagles didn't even want Jonathan Gannon anyways, that they were t- tired of him just like the fan base was that he's low character and, and the defense wasn't performing. And, and okay. If that, if all of that is true. Wouldn't you be thanking the Cardinals for hiring him? Because how could you, in good conscience, fire a defensive coordinator after a Super Bowl run? None of this makes sense to me, Vinny.
2: None no, of this. it doesn't. None uh, of this. As I mentioned, Jonathan Gannon was on with uh, Wolf and Luke yesterday too, and they asked him about the amount of vitriol he's still getting from the
5: Philly fan base. No, I would say this. I mean, I you know I got nothing but great feelings. Um, for Philadelphia, you know, they're the one of the major reasons I'm sitting in this seat right now is because of my two years there. And it, you know, my family and you know, myself, we both enjoyed the city, and it's a passionate fan base. That's why it's a hard place to go play. Um, that's it. They expect a lot out of their teams, as they should. That's why it's one of the best fan bases in the NFL. But, um, like I said, I got nothing but love and gratitude for them, and I loved my time in Philly. You guys know that. And I've talked about that um, like I said I'm very grateful to that city and that organization because it's one of the reasons I'm sitting here yeah
2: I- I wonder, Bick, what the level of vitriol would be from the Philly fans if he had never been hired by the Cardinals. Because they were mad anyway. Mm-hmm. They were mad about the fourth quarter, about the Super Bowl, though they got picked apart by yeah. Patrick Mahomes of all quarterbacks. Right. Oh, they, he didn't have them ready to play. But that was followed by him getting hired like 48 hours after the Super Bowl was ended. Right. And if, what, and if what Jonathan Gannon is saying is accurate, that it was a
3: quick, innocent phone call setting up an interview later, if that is actually accurate, why wouldn't the Eagles understand that? Uh, if they understand that this guy was the whipping boy to the fan base Uh why wouldn't they of of course (laughs) isn't it human nature if you do a good job somewhere and everybody hates you regardless wouldn't you
2: want to take your talents elsewhere I probably would absolutely and you said it. The game in Philadelphia is going to be interesting. We will get an answer to the question, are the Eagles mad at Jonathan Gannon when that game takes place? Whenever the schedule comes out and that's on the schedule, we'll find out how mad they are. Uh uh-huh. right. Because the Eagles are going to be like a 30-point favorite in mm-hmm. <laughs> that game. Mm-hmm. And we'll see if they uh, really take the Cardinals to task there. Yeah. Uh, right. Our guy, Travis uh, Freeze, has not called in yet. He's got two minutes to do so.
6: Unfreeze yourself. Come on, Mr. Freeze yourself.
2: Mr. Freeze. Fire. Fire. (laughs) Uh, So be ready on the other side of this this break. If Travis doesn't call, be ready to be the correct caller Uh. and steal that spot to qualify for the hottest ticket in town. But not until then. Not until then. A minute 40 to go on Travis's clock. Coming up next, the big stories of the day, repackaged in reboot style from uh, Sarah Cazell. The Rush Hour reboot is next. Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports the local sports leader, the hottest ticket in town.
0: Fire, fire!
2: Uh, Travis Freeze, fire. Freezy, however you say it. <laughs>
4: Freezy, freezy,
1: freezy. Not gonna not gonna win <laughs> not gonna, the contest. Not gonna win
2: the contest anyway. Uh, so now we gotta open up the phone lines for somebody to steal his spot in the qualifier. Give us a caller number back. Caller number four. Caller four right now. 602-260-9870. You can steal Travis's spot, qualify for the hottest tickets in town. Tickets either Thursday or uh, no Friday or Sunday to uh, Sun's Nuggets. 602-260-9870. Good luck. Arizona Sports, the local
0: sports leader. Bickley and Marotta Mornings. Rush hour reboot. Rush hour reboot. Getting you up to speed on everything happening at sports this morning. Brought to you by Brooklyn Betting, Arizona built for America's dreams.
6: Happy Wednesday, my friends. It is not a shenanigans Wednesday here on Bickley and Marotta Mornings. Unfortunately, we've got some very serious business to tend to. But first, let's get you through the top stories of the day. All I'm right. Sarah Cazell, taking you through those stories with Dan Bickley. Hello! With Vince Morata. Get
0: your scores from a guy like me who knows what it's like to have a drawn injured
6: <laughs> What was that? <laughs>
2: Classic Cheers episode. Oh. Sam Malone rapping the sports news about groin injuries.
6: Oh, okay. I'll be sure to Google <laughs> Cheers groins after this. <laughs> uh, Jarrett Carlin's here, too.
2: Groins are tough. Okay. It's a themed edition of the Rush Hour reboot.
6: <laughs> Yeah, well, that is what we're starting off with. uh, The status of Chris Paul. The Athletics' Shams Charania reported around 4.15 yesterday afternoon that the Suns are prepared to be without CP3 for Games 3 through 5 of this series, which would be Game 3 Friday, Game 4 Sunday, and then Game 5 Tuesday. A few hours later, uh, the Suns put out a statement last night saying it's a groin strain and he is day-to-day. It was uh, exactly two sentences. That's statement. Here's ESPN's Brian Windhorst yesterday saying the Suns' slim margin for error in the playoffs is getting even slimmer.
1: They're not done but their margin for error is non-existent. I mean, the the thing about this game is Kevin Durant missed 17 shots and he missed 10 threes. And quite frankly, the way they're constructed, they cannot afford Kevin Durant or Devin Booker to have an off game. And now, it's not even that Chris Paul had been playing particularly well. It's that when he was out there on the floor, he was a playmaking option. A guy who could create and get and make his own shot they just don't have enough of those players so they are going back home they have been very good on balance offensively since Durant came there but obviously this is a huge challenge against a Nuggets team that looks like they're playing their best basketball over the last few months
6: okay so if Chris Paul is indeed out game 3 game 4 and game 5 as Shams Charania indicates would be the case will there be a game 6 for Chris Paul to return to
3: Ooh, good question. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to give up hope yet. But I. But I do not think he's back this series. I think this is going to be even longer than that. But we'll see.
2: Yeah, I think I agree with Bick. If the, if the Suns are going to get to the next round and go to the conference championship, they're going to do it without Chris Paul. Mm-hmm. And I'm not. I'm not willing to give up yet either. Um, you know, I, I think the odds are stacked against the Suns. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's an opportunity for others to to rise to the top. And we'll get into we'll get into all the different angles of why the Suns are in this predicament. Uh, right now, uh, I'm sure between now and Friday, but uh, I'm not giving up hope. The, year, uh, the uncomfortable truth is ever since last year's postseason, teams have
3: been very predatory when defending the Suns in games that matter. Mm-hmm. Didn't see it during the regular season, but in the playoffs, they attack Did you, Chris Paul.
2: You noticed you were there. The first possession, after the jump ball, the ball went out of bounds, they double teamed Chris they Paul on in an inbounds in a slowest game. Him. Yes. hounded him. Yes. And
3: so that... Right right there was a statement from them and Jamal we Murray don't committed a foul you. that wasn't called well, I, agree too, right? I, no, I agree with you I know I agree with you and so but it was alarming to see that happen so so opposing defenses look at the Suns with Chris Paul again inconvenient truth folks as very vulnerable this gives the Suns a chance hey, listen I've lived long enough that I have found very repeatedly sometimes what you think is a worst case scenario is actually a golden opportunity Sometimes what you think is, oh. is oh, and as you get older, you're going to discover that too. Things that you think are, oh, this is the worst thing. Oh, no, it's not. Wow, I didn't expect that. The sons might actually take this opportunity
2: and run with it. I, as, n- as somebody who lives my life always expecting the worst Bic, I can back you up 100%. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
6: noted expert on...
2: Expect the worst. Expecting mm-hmm. the worst. Morata, yes. Murata, yes mm-hmm. but I'm not okay. there on this one.
6: Okay, okay. Uh, well, Suns fans kind of have been going to the worst case scenario every time oh, they yeah. lose a playoff game. It's a, it's a very highly emotional time um, for everyone watching this team right now. And when the Suns do lose or aren't looking great, you see the, we never should have traded for Kevin Durant contingent get louder and louder. And the Suns owner, Matt Ishbia, went on the Bill Simmons podcast recently. And talked about that trade, talked about that decision. Bill Simmons asked if he hesitated. At all to give away what he did to land Kevin Durant.
0: So there was no gulp moment when you were like, all right, Bridges, Johnson,
7: Crowder, four firsts, and the swap, and you're just looking at it on a whiteboard, like, man, that's a lot. No, not at all. You you got you, it takes what it takes to win. You gotta to try to win. You can sit there and say, let's try to be a fifth seed, let's try to be in the middle. Like, and we could get we could get knocked out in the second round as we we're in the second round, right? Or we could win a championship. There's no guarantees to win. But if you don't try, you're, you're they're gonna lose Know me for 50 years as the owner in Phoenix. I'm going to try to win every time we can. We're never going to be like, oh, well, let's kind of play it straight. Let's prepare for this. You can either plan to win or you can go try to win. I'm not planning to win. I'm going to go try to win. And yeah, do you give up players? Like, we did not want to give up Mikal or Cam. These are great players. We wanted them on our team. We definitely want to give up four first-round picks, but it's Kevin
6: Durant. Okay, for the exactly. Suns. Yes. Yeah. For the Suns to get past the Nuggets in this series, does Kevin Durant have to be the best player On the court, moving forward.
3: No, but it it has
6: to be he or Devin Booker every game.
3: Every game from this point going forward, one of those two guys has to be the player of the game. Yeah,
2: there's uh, the answer is no. He doesn't have to be the best. He's got to be a lot better. Oh, yeah. And it might be a case where Devin Booker and Kevin Durant both have to be nearly superhuman for them to pull this series out. He doesn't need to be the best, but... You can't have a two for twelve from three. You can't have a ten for 20, 27 performance. I think
3: I think book has been pretty good. I I think that he hasn't been as good as he was like he was against the Clippers. I would agree. But but again, his demeanor has changed. He wasn't he wasn't doing against the Clippers what he's doing now with the referees. And again, it's uh-huh. just I I don't mean to beat that dead horse, but it's 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 a part of his game that he needs to weed out and get out and and just get past this. Mm-hmm. And he said it himself. He did sitting next it's to Chris not Paul. Just, It's just not me. Yeah.
6: You're right. All right. Let's get to this. The Diamondbacks. Quickly, they lost to the Rangers last night. 6-4 in Texas, and they've got one more uh, in this series starting at 11.05 this morning, just a few hours from now. When we were talking about the D-backs at the start of the season and what we were hoping for the 2023 season, you guys both named Brandon Fott as someone you're excited to see more of. And today, you get your wish. He's making his MLB debut uh, in this game, again, starting at 11.05. He is the number three prospect in the D-back system behind Jordan Lawler and Andrew Jones. So, why have you been so excited to see Brandon fought? Uh, he had a live arm,
3: and he, he just had that. He just had a starter's demeanor for a young kid who has not yet made his major league debut. He kind of had.
2: You could kind of feel the attitude he had when he was on the mound. Yeah, for me, it's just you know the the years of waiting. Um, you know, for for. Homegrown prospects to come through the Diamondback system. And if you're a Diamondbacks fan and you follow this every single day, you're kind of feeling the the effects of that now with, you know, Corbin Carroll and Alec Thomas last year and Jake McCarthy and then this year with, you know, Dominic Fletcher and last year Dre Jameson and and it's just the latest in another line and, and from a pitching standpoint, Brandon Fott might be the best of this bunch. And it's a very talented bunch. That's why I'm excited to see it. Well, he's going to be probably a cornerstone of the pitching staff of the next great Arizona Diamondbacks baseball team.
6: Wow. Okay, that game starts at 11.05. It'll be on the Arizona Sports app and on ESPN 620. So once you're done listening to Bickley and Murata Mornings, you can go ahead and uh, get ready for that d
2: Absolutely. Yes. Thank you, Sarah. Thank Rush you. Hour Reboot every morning at 7.30. Janet Waite was caller number four. Way to go, Janet. You have uh, now jumped into the drawing. For the hottest ticket in Townsend's playoff tic- tickets, if you have not entered yet, text the word ticket to 620-620. That'll get you registered. Then you have to listen for your name. More names today. One in the noon hour, one in the 5 o'clock hour for your chance to qualify for game three and four tickets to see the suns take on the nuggets once again that's ticket to 620 620 coming up next we'll have more on that interview matt ishbia did with uh, bill simmons and what the new owner of the suns has to say with his steam down 02 it's pickley and Murata mornings here on arizona sports the local sports leader arizona sports
0: the home of phoenix suns basketball suns playoff coverage presented by michelo baltra bickley and Marada talk suns nuggets now
7: hey you know we're working hard i feel good about our team uh we're going home obviously denver's a great team and so i, I feel good about our guys i know coach monty williams and the whole team and is ready to go friday night and hopefully we can uh bounce back and protect home court and Win a game or two.
2: Ah, but will it be the whole team ready to go Friday night? That's Matt Ishbia, owner of the Suns, on the Bill mm. Simmons podcast. Still uh, showing his confidence in his team this year, which he should be doing. A lot of that interview with uh, Bill Simmons, Bick, centered around the Kevin Durant trade and where we are right now in that process. And we talked about it briefly in, in the Rush Hour reboot. But uh, I want to I want to reiterate this to kind of jump off on this point, uh, to replay the Matt Ishbia Answer to that question, Bill Simmons asking, Did you have hesitation making that deal? So there was no gulp moment when you were like, All right, Bridges, Johnson, Crowder, Four Firsts, and the swap, and you're just looking at it on a whiteboard like, Man, that's a lot.
7: Now, not at all. You you got you, it takes what it takes to win. You got to try to win. You can sit there and say, let's try to be a fifth seed. Let's try to be in the middle. Like, and we could get we could get knocked out in the second round as we we're in the second round. Right. Or we can win a championship. There's no guarantees to win. But if you don't try, you're going to know me for 50 years as the owner in Phoenix. I'm going to try to win every time we can. We're never going to be like, oh, well, let's kind of play it straight. Let's prepare for this. You can either plan to win or you can go try to win. I'm not planning to win. I'm going to go try to win. And yeah, do you give up players? Like we didn't want to give up McCall or Cam. These are great players. We wanted them on our team. We definitely want to give up four first round picks, but it's Kevin Durant. You put in with Devin Booker. I think we have two of the top five, maybe two of the top 10 players in the NBA today. And I have them not, I didn't borrow them for three months. I got Kevin Durant for three more years. And I got Devin for five more years. Like, we got a run going. <laughs> yeah. I,
2: I love that answer. Mm-hmm. And I know, especially now in where the Suns are down 0-2 and coming off a bad Kevin Durant game in game two, where a decent game could have been the difference between a loss and a win. People are going to that revisitation, historical you know, standpoint of, oh, they, they blew this trade. Mm-hmm. They did not blow this trade. I will stand, uh, first of all, I will root for Mikael Bridges and Cam Johnson every step of their NBA careers, regardless of what uniform they're wearing, unless it's the Lakers. (laughs) Mikael Bridges was a tremendous Phoenix Sun. He was out there every game. But you can't just recreate the reality of it. Had that deal not been made, were the Suns equipped this year to win a championship? My belief is no. Well, people will say, well, look at what Mikael Bridges did in Brooklyn. He wasn't going to do that here. He wasn't being asked to do the things in Phoenix that he was being asked to do in Brooklyn. That might be a stepping stone to a bigger discussion on why didn't that happen, mm-hmm. but it wasn't going to happen. If the trade deadline passed, all of a sudden, Monty Williams wasn't going to say, Mikel, you're going to be featured on offense. No. Do what you do. No, it and, wasn't and, going to happen.
3: Yeah, and that's, that is really kind of the bigger picture here. And, and when I, again, I'm going to repeat this because I think this is a really profound deal. I, I, I agree with Matt Ishbia's logic 100% that, that you hate, to lose all of all of those assets you hate to lose every last one of them but it's kevin freaking durant okay Mm -hmm. and you do have them three more years i've already i've heard people um from the uh, from the outside national media oh it won't be long before kevin starts squawking you get eliminated in the site. i don't think that's going to happen I think I think Kevin Durant is perfectly happy here. So and I do believe that it's very possible they need to actually supplement this roster intelligently with time to do it. And there was no time to do this. Oops. So so yeah, so yes, I make the trade. I and and I still make the trade because I do think the ceiling is higher with Kevin Durant than it is with Mikhail Bridges. Now that being said, the pressure that is involved here is is twofold. And it's on this current regime of James Jones and, and Monty Williams, both of whom have been very instrumental in in taking a franchise that was the laughing stock of the NBA and turning it into something really really good. So along with Chris Paul, those three guys, adding to Devin Booker, ha, ha, have sort of been the seeds of all this magic that we witness. But if you're Matt Ishby and you come in and you go, no, what do you mean? What do you mean? You, you don't want to trade Mikael Bridges? For Kevin? No, do it right now. Okay, then the trade's made. Mikael Bridges blows up. And now you've got all of this public pressure and people wondering, you're going to go, okay, I, hold on. I, I didn't trade the guy that's blowing up in Brooklyn. I, I traded the guy that I saw in Phoenix, and they're two different players. Yes. So, so what was holding them back in Phoenix? Can you explain that to me, Monty? And I don't know what Monty would say about that. And, and it's very, very possible that just the, the team dynamic didn't allow Mikhail Bridges to feel comfortable. I know strategically Mikhail Bridges is bouncing all over the court creating shots in all sorts of different angles and he's got a lot of freedom he didn't have in Phoenix absolutely right and if he had that freedom maybe the trade isn't made and maybe the <laughs> trade isn't made but we'll never know that and again this is kind of why getting a championship in the next couple of years i do believe one is going to come with kevin durant uh, this year I, i'm not i wouldn't bet on him but but i'm not putting it against him but i do think it will come and when it does it's going to be oh thank goodness thank goodness we don't have to worry about Mikhail Bridges' regret for the next 15, 20 years. Mm-hmm. Who knows? I don't know how it's going to play out, but I do know it's, it, it's right there. You don't, you, man, there only has to be a little adversity fake, facing this son's team
2: for this Mikhail Bridges' lament to kind of rise up in the fan base again. You see it. Yes. You see it on social media. Yes. Uh, Matt Ishbia, also in part of the interview with Bill Simmons on this podcast, if you go back to the approval process for Matt Ishbia, It was almost unanimous. There was 29 yes votes. There was one franchise that did not vote yes to approve Matt Ishbia as an NBA owner, and that was the Cleveland Cavaliers owner, Dan Gilbert, who abstained from voting. So it was 29 with one abstention. Why? Because those two dudes and their mortgage battles back and forth with their respective companies don't like each other, and Matt Ishbia actually expanded on that a little bit.
7: He doesn't like me, and I don't like him, right? That's how it is. Business, his company used to be number one in mortgage. UWM, my business is number one in mortgage. Um, I don't like the way they do business in a lot of things. He probably doesn't like the way we do things. We're in the same town. We compete. We're winning. That's what it is right now. And the reality is, uh, people asked me what I thought about that. Like I knew without a question that that'd probably be how he handled it. And the best part is now you get to see who I see. Very simple. You now you see who I see and what I know about that man. <laughs>
2: That unbelievable, isn't that just fabulous? I actually kind of, I, I wish there were maybe like they were playing in the same conference, yeah, so there'd be the more game. than two matchups a year. We have. You know how we much you, do you know, know
3: how much you have to hate somebody to publicly tell a, a Bill Simmons podcast. Yeah, I hate the guy. I was gonna say I hate the guy. All you he had to say was
2: like, well, about- you know, it's not a, it's it's yeah, overblown. Don't it's not a, yeah. We don't really, t- it's nothing. But yeah.
6: I love that he owns it. Yeah, there's, no, Just there's no getting around it, it. Yeah, no. he's like yeah I, that dude sucks yeah. <laughs> right. That's,
2: we need more of that and look if Dan Gilbert was on a podcast with Bill Simmons he'd probably say something similar
6: <laughs> in comic sans <laughs>
2: <laughs> I can't wait to listen to the rest of that podcast interview That that's uh, gonna be good stuff uh, the 8 o'clock hour is upon us here Fire. on Bickley and Murata mornings and that's what's coming Bickley blast straight ahead Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports the local sports leader